Amen. I'll tell you, that uh, women's event yesterday was amazing. I stayed for the whole thing. I couldn't stop. I, I mean, they let me. I thank God. I was just... A lot of stuff going on in those meetings that I don't understand, but then there's stuff that I do understand, uh, <coughs> mainly emotionally speaking. But anyway, uh, but that's amazing what they do. I can't, I am so jealous. I just don't know how to do that with the men, but oh my, it's decorated perfectly and the food and just the whole thing was just powerfully anointed. It was just amazing. Uh, what grace uh, was on the room uh, yesterday. And uh, just thank you for all you hard workers, everybody that just put so much labor and time into it. Oh, my gosh. We really, uh, just so much work went into this. But uh, if you haven't been to one of our women's events, uh, come. It's really amazing. Come to the men's events, too, when we do it. <laughs> We're a little bit slow behind, uh, comparatively speaking, at least organizationally, but not in spirit, right? But Anyway, just uh, really was a great time yesterday, and thank you for all you that volunteered, including some men that helped out with all the other things that we had to do, and uh, it was just really a beautiful, beautiful time in the Lord. So anyway, I just had to make a comment on that, besides my wife told me to. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> she didn't. Anyway, so I want to, boy, I tell you what, uh, this sermon's timely because uh, Around those events, there's so much serving and, and uh, uh, grace that goes on, uh, so many volunteers, so many helpers to do these things. And they're not just events, they're expressions of us as a community, right? And, uh, and so there's a loveliness and a grace of serving that I wanted to talk about today. Uh, usually when we think of serving, we don't think of loveliness and grace, uh, but we should because actually Jesus was a servant. And... He was our greatest example of how we're supposed to live. And when we look at his life and we, we see him coming to earth and so on, you know, we just have to realize what great glory he came out of and how he really, really humbled himself and actually on, on purpose came to serve. He's just our great example. And uh, not only is an example of virtue, but an example of lifestyle, because the way he put together this kingdom, it works this way. When you serve, you receive. Right? When you give, you get. So people get so confused with regard to that. Because service, you know, from the time that uh, you're just small and your mom wants you to make your bed and, or help around the house, just does not seem very glorious at all. But the enemy does his best to cover service up to serving and, and giving to others. He does his best to cover it up as much as he possibly can because it actually is the road to blessing. God puts everything that you give and he puts it right back on your own head. When you're a generous person with your time and energy and your money, it comes right back on your head. I have never really met too many sad, generous people who serve. Really, I tell you, they might not have the greatest of circumstances in their life. They might not be, you know, have a perfect lifestyle, but... Uh, but but still, there's a fire in them. There's an, an awakenedness about them. There's an awareness about them. And um, so I just sometimes admire people. Sometimes I just watch them as they serve and just in, in admiration. I watch them when we're serving the people out here in the courtyard, you know, uh, with food. And I, I watch them as they're working in the warehouse and um, just doing work you know, all kinds of help for people that aren't doing well and offering their homes and offering their service. It's just a beautiful thing. And I think the Lord looks at it that way. So that's why I call it the loveliness and grace of serving. There's loveliness and grace behind work. And if you can see the loveliness and the grace in it, I think you'll be very, very happy. 
because you'll learn to be a server and a giver too. And when you do, it just comes back on your own head. And don't forget that, that when you serve and when you give, it comes back on your own head, on your own life. Not only in terms of material things, but also I could say in terms of just raw happiness, your happiness quotient goes up. Uh, it's just inevitable. You just cannot outgive God. And, uh, and you know, Jesus came uh, with this attitude, really. A servant's heart flows, you can look at your outline, flows through us because of our relationship with Jesus. Jesus is our greatest example and teacher of how to serve in a lovely way. Matthew 23, then Jesus said to the crowds and to his disciples, the teachers of the law and the Pharisees sit in Moses' seat, so you must be careful to do everything they tell you. But not, do not do what they do, for they do not practice what they preach. They tie up heavy cumbersome loads and put them on other people's shoulders, but they themselves are not willing to lift a finger to move them. Everything they do is done for people to see. They make their phylacteries wide and the tassels on their garments long. They love the place of honor at banquets and the most important seats in the synagogues. They love to be greeted with respect in the marketplaces and to be called rabbi by others. But you are not to be called rabbi, for you have one teacher and you are all brothers. And do not call anyone on earth father, for you have one father and he is in heaven. Nor are you to be called instructors, for you have one instructor, the Messiah. The greatest among you will be your servant, for those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. What a beautiful section of Scripture. And these names and these titles, in, the, in Jewish culture, I think they had more than their share of this, especially at the time that Jesus came. But we do the same. You know, titles are incredibly important. Sometimes in church, you know, when I first began to do this in the ministry, I was so surprised by how much a title meant to people to do little things and stuff. And, and it always amazed me, actually. And then I saw them run crazy with some of those titles, you know. And, and as I just began to learn church life and stuff, I've watched it through the years. First of all, I just got to say, there's no one happier than people who find this place that Jesus is talking about. And Jesus himself came in that place. He went way out of his way to be unexalted and humble, right? If he would have come as a great Pharisee, a great teacher or whatever, which he certainly could have, that would have been one thing, but he didn't. He came as a humble person, and they never could get a hold of that humility. They never could believe that God would do something from the lower classes, from this kind of person, that he would actually raise up his own son like this. So he's the greatest model of all. And it doesn't matter really how high a job you have, how great it is. As a matter of fact, the greater or the more visible your job, the more you need to be a servant of heart. And people will hear that. They will feel that. One of the problems we have in authority right now is people aren't servants. They're, 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 they are serving themselves. They have this way of exalting people who shouldn't be exalted. And it's all self-interest. And really, don't you wish that God would just bring up servants again in politics? And uh, somebody could say, that's a good person. And they've they got a good heart. And they they're, they're, they're really are serving the people. Jesus said the greatest among you will be the servant of all, and he exemplified that always, right? By God's grace, I always hope that God would infuse that into our church, and I think he has, and uh, I think we have, uh, but we have a lot to grow in as well, right? And, but, but, and just maybe in terms of some of the ministries we've actually done and, and put ourselves in the position of, um, even missions especially, and then um, local missions here with the week, and and just trying to get people homes and feed them and all. And, and we come in our movement uh, from a long line of servers, uh, including John Wimber himself. It was one of his highest values. Really, I'll never forget at Anaheim Vineyard, that statue with the, the, 
you know, the washing of the feet. And uh, it just is such a vivid memory. As a matter of fact, I would do anything to have a statue like that. I'm going to figure out how to do that. The first time you get one, you start worshiping it and doing stupid stuff. But I mean, you know what I mean? But, uh, but still, uh, Vineyard never really did that. It's always in our value system. He says, surely as we pray for people and expect God to do miracles and we worship and stuff, um, my prayer always would be that we would have the heart of servants on the inside. And uh, it's a special place. It's a comfortable place to serve. It's, a, it's actually a, a safe place and a healthy place, and it feels good. Uh, to just know that you did a good job and nobody had to pat you on the back or anything and, and hear that well done, uh, um, good and worthy servant. Uh, you know, when you hear that well done from the Lord, it's amazing. And to pull, like, I just saw it so big with the women's event. To pull one of those women's events off like that, it just takes so many servants, so many people working so hard behind the scenes, and they did. And, and it just turns out glorious, and you can feel the presence of God everywhere. God makes us more than Christians who serve. He also changes us from the inside out to serve others. So it's one thing to serve. It's another thing to be made a servant. The more you serve and the more you get caught up in the glory of that and um, see the value in it for your own soul. And I'd encourage you to do that because God's voice isn't too far behind when you serve. I just hope that all of you who serve or give time, listen for that voice, listen for that anointing that sense of God's presence and watch for it because it's yours it's part of what happens uh, when you do that you don't do it to receive that but it's inevitable right and the process is that he really changes us inside out to serve others he really does as we serve he actually makes us just like him and it's just one of the greatest transformations as far as I'm concerned on the planet there's just so much joy in learning to serve learning to help and give things away for free in a world that wants everything at cost, right? Everything costs something. Everything has to qualify, right? Everything in our culture. And to find people that just serve for just out of the goodness of their heart is an incredible commodity. And I think if we become a church like that, more and more we will stand out in this culture where everybody's trying to get theirs, everybody's trying to claw and grab and everything. Just people who give away stuff for free, they, they just shine. They're like little diamonds in the darkness. They, they become so obvious, right? So he not only makes us more than Christians who serve, but he changes us from the inside out to serve others. We make these changes on the inside because there's something we catch up, we get caught up into. It's the joy of the whole thing. When you give something away for free, there's a joy to it that nothing else can replace. You can't go there in any other way but that way. Jesus' unique relationship with the Father shows how we too can be empowered and tenderized to love and serve each other. That tenderized part is really critical. The world is very arrogant right now. It always has been, but even now it's even more arrogant as people become entrenched. And This tenderizing in our soul is something we desperately need. And serving others in the way that Jesus did is really one of the ways you do that. Just giving things away for free, doing things for free with your time and your energy and your money. Look at Jesus, his example. Therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, this is Philippians 2, if any comfort from his love, if any common sharing in the spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, he's just talking about if you walk with Jesus at all, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and of mind. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather in humility, value others above yourselves. Can you imagine that in our culture, valuing others above ourselves? <laughs> 
It almost seems impossible. Everybody competing, everybody grabbing, everybody after some nuance, some new thing, trying to sell people, trying to promote it. Sometimes I miss that. Sometimes for all that I love with regard to uh, Christian television and programming, uh, it's hard for it to serve, right? Because of the way it gets into the performance mode, it gets in this place where they, you know, obviously you don't want to have a dull person or you don't want to have a person that's uh, singing that's no good, right, <laughs> on your broadcast and that kind of thing. You want to have great preaching, you know, and everything. But, but because of, it's not the body of Christ, it's, it's a performance. It's something you're doing and you're serving, yes, maybe with the Word of God or that kind of thing. But the body of Christ has the full complement of all the gifts, right? So everything, not just, t- t- you know, singing or, or, or giving some information or even a prophetic word. It's all of the gifts. You know, there's some 30-plus gifts. And we're all the poorer when those gifts are not operating in a spirit of service all over the church. When they're operating at full throttle, the church is just a, a city on a hill. Do nothing, and then also when you get into the programming and the more visible things, and I'm glad we have television and all that, but there's something about it that um, has this way of puffing up, and, and and even you know we don't even know how to watch TV without somebody being puffed up. You know that, so our, even our programming has a tendency because you know serving's boring. You know, right? It's got to be special, got to be fluffy. You know what I mean? Even Christian television. Because nobody notices, because that's what we're used to. That's all we see. People one after the other, you know, puffing themselves up, making the, you know, singing the greatest songs and the perfect music and whatever, you know. God forbid that there would be a crummy singer on television, or you know what I mean. Even Christian one, like, what, what do we, what, what's the matter with that guy? I mean, what they put that guy on TV? I can't believe it. Well, maybe TV could actually be humble. Wouldn't that be something? I don't even know how that's possible. See a guy's not see a humble person that's got a good heart but just sings bad and eh, I ain't watching that anymore. That's the that's the worst Christian television program I've ever seen. Right? Hmm. I'm not saying everything's like that, but you know how we we are. Right? You know how we go, and that's the beauty of the body of Christ in churches, just local churches where people meet together and do ordinary things together, not super duper. You know, it's you know we try to make our programs as quite quality and as fun as they can be, but. You know, it just takes a lot of service, and sometimes I wonder when we do things together if, you know, whether it's, uh, you know, a women's meeting or a men's gathering or we do some special thing, sometimes I wonder if the real power of it and the joy of it is everybody cooperating together, serving together to make it happen. I'm wondering if maybe that's really the key to the whole thing, that you work so hard and everybody works together, they make friends while they're doing it, and the program's great, but I think the, the, the joy of people learning to work together and serve together is where we shine. That's what we do, right? We're just uh, helping someone else out, and and uh, I just think the warehouse and all the things that we do with it, to me, if they don't have the spirit of service in them and it just becomes another business, it's one thing. But one thing I've noticed is uh, even our warehouse where we have some 100 people employed, uh, it's amazing. The spirit, I, 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 I you know, I, people wonder about it. I, I don't know if they wonder or not, but you'll see me wandering around there. I do it almost every day. You know, and I, I just, uh, what I'm looking for is, I, I'm just looking for just the spirit of service and how we're helping people. You know, that's why, for us, I would rather us sort of, you know, in the warehouse or whatever, okay, if you're stealing, whatever, we don't want you to make a habit of it, you know. (laughs) If we catch you, we're going to tell you not to do that anymore. But, you know, being paranoid about our stuff, you know, is really uh, not what we want. 
right? And there is a fair amount of crazy stuff going on there because we have a lot of broken people. But I like the atmosphere. I, I like it. And I like our people. And, you know, they're not making huge wages. The people that are working in there, they're just doing a good job. And for the most part, the greatest, some of the most wonderful, greatest people I've ever met working as employees or working as servants, just volunteering their time just to give food away and to help. It's an antidote to our society. It's not only that, that people need that from us, but we need it for our own soul. We need it for our own soul. He says, and, and some of you have really picked that up, and that's why you do things like that, whether it's there or wherever you volunteer or help. Do nothing, he says, verse uh, 3, out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility... Value, your, uh, value, uh, value others above yourselves. Can you imagine that? Not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. That's the church, isn't it? In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as, as Christ Jesus, who being in very nature did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he humbled himself. The one that was at the creation of the universe, John says, through him the universe was created. The whole world was created. And this one came. He made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant. You know, he didn't just take the nature of a servant. God is a servant. That's part of his character. Have you thought about that? He didn't just suddenly shed his kingly clothing and become a servant. He's, he was a servant, good of heart from the beginning. God is a servant. God is has that in his nature. Being made in human likeness made him really the nature of a servant. But his heart was always that way, has always been that way. The God of the universe turns out, serves and helps and loves and values serving, loving, compassion, kindness. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death. That's an amazing thing just to read that, isn't it? Even death on a cross, the most hideous death anybody could possibly do. Therefore, and this is a wonderful side effect, benefit from serving. Nevertheless, though our attitude should be right, it's amazing. You can never outserve or outgive God. Can I say that again? You can never outserve or outgive God. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place. The greatest amongst you, Jesus said, will be the servant of all. And it's not just greatest in the sense of, you know, look at me, how much I serve. It's greatest in the sense of everything that you could be, everything you really, really, really want in your spirit happening to you, right? Gave him the name above, that is above every name, Jesus. That at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven on earth and under the earth, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of of God the Father. So when we serve, we glorify the Father. And our best example is Jesus himself. And he purposely went way out of his way, not to come as a great ruler, not to become with bossing people around, but came as a peasant to serve, to help, to be kind to people, to love them, to blow everybody's mind with his kindness that he would offer in a society that was so segmented and and so uh, organized, you know, by layer and that. It's hard to imagine in our world, but I think it's becoming more imaginable <laughs> the more we live in our culture, right? Uh, but, you know, our culture and our, our country were purposely built the other way around from the beginning. It was, we, we valued this and the values that come out of the Bible. And, and one of them was 
Not this heavy autocracy, not this heavy elite. The, the servant, the, the power of, of serving, I think, is... And those men that started our country, those men that were... And, and women as well, their wives and, and others that were involved in the founding of our country, they were servants. They left everything to do this new thing and this new nation. Um, and they risked their lives. I don't think many people know that, but they risked their lives to do what they did to find to found a more perfect union, to, to establish something where the, the culture was fair and the, level, the playing field was level and all of that. In a very, very real way, these very, very wealthy people that led our country in the beginning uh, almost lost their lives doing it and in a very real way were servants. As a matter of fact, if you look back at the life of George Washington, he was one of the greatest servants of all in terms of his demeanor, in terms of the way he treated people. Even He didn't even want to be president. You know, I had a really hard time talking him into it. Can you imagine that today? <laughs> Having a hard time talking somebody into running for president, right? So it's such a difference, right? And uh, it's just, so we see this through the scriptures, but also maybe some practical examples around us. I want to look at John 5, 19 to 20. Jesus gave him this answer. Very truly, truly, tr- very truly, I tell you, the son can do nothing by himself. He can do only what he sees his father doing, because whatever the father does... The Son also does. For the Father loves the Son and shows Him all He does. Yes, and even He will show Him even greater works than these so that you'll be amazed. And so the Father is humble and is a servant. So if He's only doing what the Father's doing, then all those things that Jesus did for the weak, the poor, the healing, all of that was the Father's heart, right? And there's a critical phrase here that I love to talk about in my classes in my Life in the Spirit class, and I'll get to that soon in our little curriculum we're being doing but and we're doing that by the way and if you're newer to us join us it's not too late to join my class i do it right here on wednesdays and uh you'll see it in the bulletin and the schedule and everything we have other classes as well but when i get to this part of my class i really light up this is my favorite part and it's really uh, summarized in this verse 20 for the father loves the son and shows him all he does that's a very powerful section of scripture see this serving comes from a heart of love. Yes, and he will show him even greater works than these, so you'll be amazed. So Jesus is following the Father, for the Father loves the Son and shows him all he's doing. That word is the word phileo. It's not the word agape, which we mean in a different sense. Phileo is the, the word of demonstrated natural affection. So we could say, for the Father gives the Son a hug and shows him all that he's doing. So when we see Jesus ministering to the poor and the weak, and giving them a hug. He was only giving them a hug because the Father was hugging him. That's why we here value these values so much because what we find in it is love. Love makes the world go round. Love makes you serve. Love helps you to give things away for free. In a culture that's so opposite, we, we shine when we walk like this and uh, we act like this. And uh, this love is really the key to service. That's the key to really giving things away. There's nothing else that can make you give things away for free, no matter what it is. The Father loves the Son and shows him all he's doing. So when I feel that compassion, you know, it's easy to love. It's easy to serve, even when it costs me something, maybe especially when it costs me something. But the thing is, what I want to say is that service isn't just a value that's out there where we have to grudge and I don't know if that's a word, grunt, I think is what I meant to say, but anyway, uh, work hard, you know, you know, and just 
get, you know, there's something free about it. It's the best kind of thing when you're free to serve. We're trying to make a point or make a, an impression, you know, or get one up on another person or whatever, you know, or maybe even especially out of compulsion. You know, you just sort of got ought into something. <laughs> I hate it when I get ought you know, you ought to. But when I volunteer freely, that love on the inside of the Father, it's just a very freeing experience on the inside, and I have no problem serving. I just love our community here. There's so many people that do so many secret things in love, just to the heart of a servant. And the more we grow in that dimension, the happier we're going to be, and we're going to be more powerful than ever in our community. It's a political season again, you know, and um, I've been starting to look into all the candidates and stuff, and one of the first things I look for is these days is I, you know, why are you doing this? I, I just like to know, you know, I just get a feel for them. What, what is your heart in this? It's hard to get on TV, you know, to see. So I've been actually um, contemplating, I'm actually going to have a meeting with the person that's running for city council. I'm, I may have five or six meetings. Anymore, our city councils, even down at the local level, are so important, and it's so nice to find a person. I've met a couple of people on our city council and, and some on the planning commission and stuff, and boy, I tell you what, we have some really lovely servants. I mean, it's just so beautiful, and Mission Viejo and a couple of other cities, I know they do too. Uh, so we have some really great local government around here, and um, we should all be praying that God would just bring us servants, right, uh, to serve the area and to have compassion on the area all the way up to the president, right, and beyond. So we're not alone. This is point C in your outline. Abba, Father, strengthens us through difficult times. We're also made to do the same for others. Remember Jesus in the garden? He called those two or three to be with him in the special part of the garden as he was about to go to the cross. And they fell asleep on him, like not just once. (laughs) And he said, couldn't you not keep watch for one hour? It's amazing, even Jesus Christ and his humanity, knowing he's going to the cross, needed those people beside him, needed those three to serve him, to love him, to hug him, to you know, just be with him. Wow, if Jesus needed that, how much more do we need it? Consider yourself a great leader or not a great leader or consider another person, but everybody, if they're a human being, is in the same place. They all need love. And they all need people to serve them. They all need people just to be willing to take that extra uh, little bit to help or to be of encouraging. Even Jesus in the garden, he's trying to make this decision about going to the cross. And he needed the encouragement of the others to help him. He was modeling something there. He was about to do something hard, something hard for God and other people to help him. But they didn't do such a good job, did they? And that's just a model of how not to do it. And I know they felt bad (laughs) about the whole thing. But actually, to be a servant, you have to actually know how great you are, in a way. Isn't that strange? To actually be a servant, you have to know how great this is, how valued it is in heaven. And when you're serving, you have to actually, in a sense, get, uh, you don't want to project this, but a superiority complex. (laughs) Now, if you take that the wrong way, we're going to have a lot of religious messes around here. I'm not talking about that. I mean that when you serve, that takes a tremendous amount of authority from God to do that. It takes a tremendous amount, not only sacrifice, but it's an extremely spiritual thing. And when you serve another person, or you serve other people, you actually grow in authority. You don't decrease in authority, right? 
at the picture of the garden in the last times, you know, uh, the last days, of, hours really of Jesus' life, they failed absolutely miserably. But they never forgot that experience. They realized that uh, that's what they needed to be about their whole life. It was a graphic example. And sometimes in our failure to serve, we actually get some of the, our best lessons. We can find a joy set before us for others, just as Jesus did, for as he served us by, as, just as he served us by going to the cross. It says in Hebrews uh, chapter 12, for the joy set before him, he endured the cross. Could it be that we could get to such a place in our service that we actually had joy in it, that we actually learned the joy of serving? Every once in a while, I'll touch that joy. A lot of serving going on around here for lots of people. And that's one thing I love about uh, the way we've constructed things. Everything from those that serve our children in the schools and all that to, to the warehouse and the poor and the housing and all of that and all kinds of other areas, the teachers that serve around here in the Sunday school and all of it. But there's something there that is so important to catch. It's always in serving. There is a joy, a supernatural joy. Even Jesus felt it going to the cross. For the joy set before him, he endured. He knew it was the Father's will to serve. He knew what he was supposed to do. And there wasn't just a, you know, um, a hardness. There was a, a joy. There was a certain lamp that lit up on the inside. You that serve hard, especially people that are having difficulty and you find yourself with them all the time, I just encourage you, whatever you do with your walk with the Lord, however you're working, however you're serving the Lord, don't lose the joy. And I want to just say something about that. Because there is a joy set before you. God always puts it there. Don't lose it. It's yours to lose. Because the Spirit, when you do something kind for somebody else, is always there to help you with that spirit of joy. I make sure I never lose my joy when I'm serving. Sometimes even when I'm serving in a really difficult space. Well, i got to say I mess up. Probably messed up last night even. <laughs> it was late trying to prepare. But... But for the most part, I've learned to surf the, the joy. If I'm really, especially in a place where I'm really serving, there's joy there. You just have to take a moment off of what you're doing and let the wind blow in your heart. And I just encourage all of you that serve a lot and work hard a lot serving other people, just, he's there. You just have to find him. Just put your sail up because the wind's already blowing. And whatever you do, do not lose your joy when you're serving and you're working. Matter of fact, I just encourage you, some of you are actually servants by nature. You just do it. You know, and, and I, I would have to say, uh, I'm not like those people. That's actually a gift. Some of the people, they just, the first thing they think about is helping somebody else. It's just an amazing thing. But even you, who is your first nature, I just encourage you, look for the joy. Because for the joy set before him, Jesus endured the cross. And for what you're doing, there's always joy. Just find it. And if you lose it, you need to find it again because you need that energy <laughs> to keep you going. You need God to keep you going, right? And, uh, and you can lose it sometimes in all the detail you do, even serving your children. And I know there's so much service that goes on with kids. I've had four, and it doesn't seem to get any lighter the older they get, right? I always thought it would just, like, they would just go, and I would not serve anymore. <laughs> Wrong. But there's a delight in it. So whether they're older, whether they're young, whether they're changing diapers or changing other things, you know, whatever you're doing. It's so important. Don't lose your joy, right? And I love it. Maybe this verse is so good in Matthew 10. Freely you have received. 
Freely give. Be a free giver. I'll tell you what, when you give and you serve, just remember, and this is another thing I highly recommend, always know out of that service there's a reward. You cannot sow without getting a harvest. Only The only way you can do is if you got proud and arrogant about your service, right? But if you're working hard and doing your best and serving other people and your job's like that or whatever it is that you do, whether at home, listen, there's always a reward. Look for the reward. Expect the reward. Expect the feelings of reward. Expect the joy. If you look for it, it won't be too far. It won't be too far away, really. Serving is the best lifestyle on the planet. Everybody's saying, sure, sure. You know. But it is. The heart of a servant is at rest and full of joy. The yoke of Jesus is easy and his burden is light. Let's just read that. I mean, that's even hard to believe, right? Matthew chapter 11. 28. Come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you'll find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my yearden, my, my burden is my yearden, my burden is light. So that yoke is a gentle and humble thing. Sometimes when we serve, it's harder than others, right? But there's always Jesus in the middle of it. And if Jesus is humble in heart and you're humble of heart, you're going to have a good relationship. And you'll find him there, right? And he says, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Sometimes we've been given things to do that do not seem so easy. Sometimes we're put in really difficult situations uh, where we're actually taking care of children we never dreamed we'd be taking care of. Or we find ourselves in places in our family in positions with maybe our older uh, family members, uh, father and mother, we never thought we would be in, you know. And uh, sometimes we're thrust in those positions. Sometimes we're thrust into positions in our jobs where we're having to cover for maybe a, a, a friend or an employee that's not at work or not doing their job even. But I'm telling you, there is a joy. There is a joy. When we take that, uh, there, learn to look for the joy in what you're doing. And I want to tell you the reward. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. Because you're going to find Jesus there because he's gentle and humble of heart. You'll find rest for your souls. If you find yourself working hard for others, please don't miss the yoke, the easy yoke. Your, his yoke is easy and his burden is light. And you say, well, I know his is, but everybody else is just driving me crazy. Well, listen, God just didn't disappear in that situation. He's with you in that. And when you're serving and loving other people, he's right in the middle of it. He didn't go on vacation somewhere. He's with you in it. It's his favorite place to be. You would think he would be with his favorite place to be would be with all those authorities and rulers and stuff. But when he came to earth, he didn't hang out with them. He didn't like them at all, really. He didn't really care much about them, and it drove him crazy. He didn't give them homage. He liked those disciples, these ordinary disciples. They were his joy and his delight. He loved serving them. He loved serving the poor. That was his favorite thing to do. If it's his favorite thing to do, it just could be our favorite thing to do. His yoke is easy in this matter, and his burden is light. For you that have found yourself in a situation where you thought you were going to be done with the child rearing only to find out that grandchildren came along or a situation came along of illness in the family and you thought that maybe you would reach a place where you just sort of not have to do that you know, anymore. If you're in that place of serving, I just exhort you, there is joy and grace for you in that situation. 
And just take advantage of the wind blowing, because if the Spirit's blowing anywhere, it's blowing in your service, and your hard labor, and your sacrifice. If the Spirit's anywhere, I'll guarantee you, He is there. So you might ask yourself, well, is the Spirit doing anything else up there? <laughs> yes, He does other things. Some things that are pretty cool, you got to admit, right? Some things are pretty exciting. But also, if you find yourself in one of these places, believe me, it is about the best thing you can do. And humble service is the normal way to walk with God. And, uh, and I'd just say, especially as an example for your children, I'll never forget some of the examples I was shown as a child. My own mother, such a servant. She worked so hard for us. My dad as well. So good-hearted. Such great examples I'll never forget. And Janice's mother, uh, her father died early in her life, but her mother... Oh my, I, I think that, when I think about her, I think, she's going to be living in this gigantic complex in heaven, and I'm going to be out like beyond the wall somewhere begging to go and see her. Because this woman's heart, her mother's heart was all about serving. From the moment I walked in the door and I met her, all she wanted to do was serve me and help me any way she possibly could. She gave up things constantly. She was always giving, and she didn't have much, but whatever she had, she gave, she gave, she gave, she gave. And her father was just like it, but he died early, and I didn't get to meet him. What an example, you know. And I'm thinking to myself, man, Mike, you are a smart man. You married a girl who had that as her example. This is going to be a great marriage. And, uh, and so if you've been around Janice... Free length of time in terms of the way she works with you and helps you and, and joins right in there and serves, uh, then you know. And uh, I just want to be like that. I by not, na her, her mother by nature and some people by nature are like this. And for me, they're like angels walking around because I, I can't hardly figure it out because I by nature just am not like, I'm just not like, I'm not made like that. I guess that's a, where it would be a gift. But I envy it and I try to go there as much as I possibly can because first of all, it actually very, feels very good, especially in an environment in a world where everything is for cost and everybody's wanting and demanding things of you. To have people giving things away for free in a kind way, it's almost too hard to believe, especially in the environment we live right now. Look at Luke chapter 17, verse 7. Suppose one of you has a servant plowing or looking after the sheep. Will he say to the servant when he comes in from the field, come along now and sit down to eat? Won't he rather say, prepare my supper, get yourself ready and wait on me while I eat and drink? After that, you may eat and drink. Will he thank the servant because he did what he was told to do? So you also, when you have done everything you were told to do, should say, we are unworthy servants. We have only done our duty. Jesus lived like that. Jesus was an example of that, right? And our culture is so the opposite. It's just completely turned around and opposite, but this is the kingdom of God. And if we're going to shine like lights in the culture, and I think I'll probably read that passage here in a minute, it's going to have to be that way. We want to shine the culture because we are so darn smart. We just know everything. We are so smart. We know what you're doing there, Mr. Governor, is stupid, and that's dumb if you just listen to me. You know, maybe I should run for, maybe I should run for office, you know. Okay, so I think there's some truth to that, honestly, but Let's don't go too far there, right? Because honestly, they will know you're Christians by your love. And maybe your wisdom, maybe, <laughs> right? 
baby. Philippians 2, 5 to 9. And your relationships with one another have the same mindset as Christ. So he's the boss, right? Who being in very nature God, meaning he actually was not just uh, the savior of the world in the sense of Messiah, but he was God himself. The doctrine of the Trinity, and maybe most of you know this, I don't know, but it's not that Jesus was just the son of God. That's, that's what he did in terms of his authority. That's how he played out. Uh, eternity. That's how he, he plays out his role. But in terms of his essence, we call it homoousius. Essence. Part of the doctrine of the Trinity is that Jesus was God, just like the Father is God. They have different roles. That's a different thing in the Trinity. Different roles and places, right? And they submit to one another. But Jesus was God. So when you see Jesus, you see God, how he did his life, and how it ultimately gave the ultimate price with his life, right? who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant. So as God, he could have done anything. He certainly didn't need to go to that cross. He could have ruled and reigned. And even when Satan made that offer, hey, I'll give you all the kingdoms of the world. (laughs) You know why Jesus didn't bite? He said to himself, you idiot. I could be the king of the world right now if I want to. My own authority, and I'll put you in your place too. But he had something else to do. He had to purchase a place for all of us and make way. And he humbled himself as a servant, and that's what the Father wanted him to do, right? But in nature, and the way he really is, the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, they're servants. They have servant hearts. For God so loved the world, that he gave his only begotten son. He gave. He could have just destroyed the whole planet when they started turning the wrong way, but he had this plan. He had a better plan. I'm going to redeem them. I'm going to get my inheritance. I'm going to get them by loving them and serving them. I'm going to get by sacrificing. I'm going to serve them. Wow. Being made in human likeness and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven on earth and under the earth, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. There will be a day when God enforces his majesty, his kingship, but it will have been done as a suffering servant. It will have been done in humility. We've all come to Christ not because we deserve it, because God humbled himself to help us in. Isn't that amazing? So what an example God himself is. He took it all the way to the mat as a human being, all the way to death, rebuked, reviled, cursed, hung on a cross to die. Wow. And even through his whole life, he wasn't with the high and mighty. He didn't try to get in with the in crowd. He just served with the gifting he gave. He chose the lowly of the earth to work with him. They felt, he felt like they would make the best candidates for this new kingdom he was about to inaugurate. Servanthood and like-mindedness are connected. The result is a world that recognizes Jesus. Maybe that's the critical thing. Look at Philippians 2. Read on. Verse 12. Therefore, my dear friends, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill his good 
purpose. To everything without grumbling or arguing. Yikes. I'm getting convicted now. <clears throat> but I need to grumble. It's time to grumble. <laughs> Don't you see, God? We need more grumbling. Everything without grumbling? Everything? Well, that covers a lot of things. Or arguing. So that you may become blameless and pure, children of God without fault, in a warped and crooked generation. Oh, that gets you. In a war Have you seen how warped and crooked it is down here? Yeah, I already talked to you about this right here in Philippians 2. But then what he says, look at this. Then you will shine among them like stars in the sky. I want to shine. I want to be different. I don't want to shine because I'm smarter than everybody else. I want to shine because they see love, they see servant, they see God in me. I want to shine because they know that I'm pointing the right way for them to be in the right way that they live. And you can do that in every profession, everywhere you work. Some of it, some of your professions, and I'm looking at Sean back there, it's harder to do than others. <laughs> if you work in politics and those places, but I guarantee you, Sean, serve. They will notice. Because in your environment, you'll shine like stars because nobody serves in your environment, right? And most of our environments, frankly. If you work out in the world, not many people shine like stars in the sky. But the way you do is you, you do everything without grumbling and arguing. You serve. You, you're the first one to volunteer. As you hold firmly, he says, to the word of life. That's Jesus. And then I'll be able to boast on the day of Christ that I did not run or labor in vain. He's talking about these people who's hoping to be like Jesus. And he thought he would have run and labor been in vain if they were this shiny church with, you know, just so great example and best worship, best word, but nobody serves, nobody cares. They're always trying to get the best of one another and always trying to grumble and argue and all that rest, right? His highest goal was finding a humble group of people that wasn't grumbling and arguing, was taking the lower seat even when necessary or even not necessary. And he thought that was worth his while to pour his life out for them. That was worth his while to go and lead them to Christ and to keep shepherding them, even if it were from a distance. He called them shining like stars in the darkness. I think that's a good word for us. I think that's what we're doing, right? That's what we're supposed to be, like shine in the darkness. Some of you work in the most horrible environments. You think you don't shine. But listen to this. Consider this. If you live in a dark environment, if you start doing anything that looks like Jesus, you're going to really shine brightly. <laughs> Because the darker the environment, even the people of light in there is going to stand out like a sore thumb, right? There's great glory in serving. Jesus turns our water into wine. I want to say something prophetically about this. One of the greatest, uh, I think, miracles in the whole Bible because you could just see, and I think this that series, what's it called with the, the huh? The Chosen. Yeah, thank you. So... <clears throat> And remember at the beginning of the series, Jesus has got his disciples and he turns the water into wine. It's so amazing, the whole thing and the setup of it and the whole thing. It's so beautifully pictured there. And, and so you can just imagine. And I, but I want to draw something out of this because that also is a prophetic picture of us, right? And so I'm going to read these verses. On the third day, a wedding took place at Canaan Galilee. Jesus' mother was there and Jesus and his disciples 
had also been invited to the wedding. When the wine was gone, Jesus' mother said to him, they've got no more wine, which evidently was a great tragedy in that culture, right? It's very humiliating for the host. It was just one of the worst things that could happen. Woman, why do you involve me? Jesus replied, my hour has not yet come. I really like this. I like little phrases like this, little things, because it shows me something in Jesus' nature, you know? If the Son of God says, what are you bugging me for? I don't know. I'm sorry. Sorry about that. <laughs> All right. <laughs> But he likes the vulnerability. You know why? Because Jesus is humble and kind of heart. He likes the vulnerability. You know, he, he likes it. Uh, you know, uh, when his mother says, do whatever he tells you, she completely ignored him. She knew him. She knew he wasn't going to leave them, so to speak, high and dry. <laughs> she knew, right? His mother said to the servants, do whatever he tells you. Nearby stood six stone waters, the kind used by the Jews for ceremonial washing, each holding from 20 to 30 gallons. Jesus said to the servants, fill the jars with water, so they filled them to the brim. Then he told them, now draw some out and take it to the master of the banquet. They did so, and the master of the banquet tasted the water that had been turned into wine. He did not realize where it had come from, though the servants who drew, had, drawn the water, had drawn the water knew. Then he called the bridegroom aside and said, everyone brings out the choice wine first and then the cheaper wine after the guests have had too much to drink, but you have served the best. You've saved the best till now. You have saved the best till now. What Jesus did there in Cain of Galilee was the first of the signs through which he revealed his glory and disciples believed him. Why believed in him? Why was this the first? Sometimes you think of the first, you know, this initiative state. Everybody goes back to when did it all begin? When did the glory start? And it started evidently at this, this uh, wedding. So, but it was a picture of what was to come, right? The servants draw the wine out and give, and it's turned from water to wine. That's us. We've been given such power. We serve, and the water turns into wine. We pray for someone. The water turns into wine. They get healed. It was, it was the beginning of the example of what was about to happen with those disciples. They were going to turn water into wine wherever they went, whether it was a kind word or whether it was a healing anointing or power. But whatever they did was going to turn not just into a good work, but it was a good work for Jesus in the name of Jesus, in the power of Jesus. So we don't function just in the power, our own power. But our water turns to wine. Our water counts. Our water is special in the world. Our water causes beauty, causes people to be aware of God. That's why it's so important that we give that water away, that we, that we serve. We're not the wine. We, we, sometimes I watch you know, certain things, and I, I think they got the thing confused, you know? Like, you're not the wine, like, and the way you present it, stop pretending like you have anything to do with this. And their mannerisms and the grandiose things and blah, 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 and everything. And Jesus was always trying to keep his stuff quiet. You know, heal him, then he'd disappear. Nobody could find it. Where, where'd he go? Where'd he go? This person's been raised from the dead. Where'd he go? Where'd he go? Right? How different from us? Yeah, I think I'll just take a couple. A little bit of ovation here, yeah, I know. Yeah, it wasn't me, it was all him. You know, I'm right in the middle, <laughs> you know, all the spotlights on. I think we should avoid that as much as we can, right? When something even astounding happens through us, just go back. We're just, we're just the ones that give the water away. We just give the water away. God's the one that turns it to wine. 
But what a beautiful thing. There's no pressure on me, too, because if it doesn't turn to wine, it's not my fault. I just gave the water. I did it. If it didn't turn to wine, <laughs> you know, I, I can't do it anyway, right? Takes the pressure off, but also releases for us such a, a potential for such real joy. The real joy in walking with God we're going to find, if you haven't already, is serving. Honestly. It doesn't look like that. I don't think any teenagers, you know, sort of, they have to sort of learn that a little bit, right? Every one of us. But as life wears on, hopefully in the Lord you've discovered that real, the real life and joy is and the great power is, is in serving and being hidden, right? Even when Jesus would do miracles, he was always hiding, you know? <laughs> I'm sure it's frustrated his disciples, wished he had just taken an ovation or something. And the worst things they could possibly think of is that he would go to the cross. You know, when he even suggested such a thing, they rebuked him. They could not imagine. That was horrible, right? Well, if you look at Roman numeral three, serving is the key to promotion. Whoever wants to be great must be a servant. And so um, that's the way it is in the kingdom. That's the way to get promoted in the kingdom, right? And I don't know about you, but the older I get, the tighter I get of being, you know, trying to, you know, I just want Jesus to say, well done, you know, and he can say it even in this life. There's nothing like a well done, done, good and faithful servant in the spirit from God. It's just lasts so much longer than people clapping and, you know, and looking, you know, that's what the world does. And they always raise people up for their own reasons, too. They're raising somebody else up, but they're the person that's calling attention, you know. And I mean, it's just, you know how it is. But there's so much peace in this lifestyle, and Jesus knew it. He knew this was really the way to life. It doesn't seem like it. It sounds like the opposite direction, you know. Who wants to be a servant? We should all be volunteering on the basis of what I'm reading here. We're just walking literally to the beat of a different drummer, right? <laughs> when the ten heard about this, they were indignant with the two brothers, right? Because um, they were saying... Uh, Hey, Lord, uh, grant that one of us, uh, well, the woman, her, the mother is saying, grant that one of these two sons of mine may sit at your right and the other at your left in your kingdom. Now they're indignant because they wanted the same seat, right? They weren't indignant because they weren't, they weren't being served. They were indignant because they wanted to be the same thing. So their mother got a word in edgewise, got a word into Jesus before they got a chance, right? Because they all want this position. When the ten heard about this, they were indignant with the two brothers. Jesus called them together and said, You know that the rulers of the Gentiles lord over them, and their high officials exercise authority over them. Not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. Lord, I pray that you would bring forth a great servant for a president of the United States. Wherever he or she is, whoever he or she is, I pray also for every authority over us in the politics of California the same thing would happen. I pray you would literally raise up people who don't want to do it very much, who are kind of just feeling they should do it, and they turn out to be servants. Maybe they're not even servants when they go in, but they are by the time they get out. I pray, God, you would raise up in our time these people, and raise us up too, to positions of authority so we can do the same. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant, and whoever wants to be first among you must be your slave. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. What a wonderful thing. What a wonderful verse. And this servingness goes several directions. Serving those under us, right? Servant leaders are very powerful. Even those under us. I think we all love the bosses that actually take their time out to help us, right? To 
serve us, to not lower it over us, but to help our job to be easier, just to say a kind word or good, you know, or just, just work on our behalf, right, even when we're working so hard. Serving those over us. Honor is really powerful, and it's really very important that we give honor to who honors do. Serving for the greater good. Romans chapter 14, verses 1 to 4, is uh, such a wonderful... I just want to read these verses here for a minute. Accept the one whose faith is weak without quarreling, quarreling over disputable matters. One person's faith allows them to eat anything, but another whose faith is weak eats only vegetables. The one who eats everything must not treat with contempt the one who does not, and the one who does not eat everything must not judge the one who does, for God has accepted them. Who are you to judge someone else's servant? To their own master, servants stand or fall, and they will stand, for the Lord is able to make them stand. So I think most of us are past the eating of the vegetables or not or whatever. I don't know, but maybe not. But I think what he's talking about is disputable matters, you know, and arguing... Uh, and so you can find yourself in this position. Some people have different positions on different things, right? And uh, I think maybe at least if we could just see their side of it would be a good start, right? Why they believe that. But I think quarreling really doesn't do a lot of good, especially over values where you could see the other side, right? Or at least see it, right? Some values are indisputable. And of course, we've had to deal with those in this environment that we're in. There are some values that just are indisputable, but perhaps even in this political season, there might be some things you might find that might be disputable, or at least you can see the other side and get a little room for it. Maybe especially amongst those closest to you, co-workers and so on, you know. I'm not sure it's always worth it to always be right and to make sure the people around you know that you're right. I think they watch your behavior and your love first and your service first, and that gives you a voice a voice that's uh, really loud when they speak, you know. And uh, that's why even just going back to Janice's mother, I every once in a while she would give an opinion, right? Rarely. But when she did, and she had conviction on it, man, you listened. Because she was so busy serving and helping everybody, right? But when she had a conviction about something, you went, ooh, we better pay attention to that one, right? <laughs> That's important, and it's the same with other people like that around you, right? They spend their whole life serving, but when they say, oh, I think this is important, then you sort of listen, don't you, right? You might not even agree, but you listen. I think that might be true for our time now as we live out our life. When we're serving and helping and we have that spirit about us that uh, uh, is the servant that Jesus is talking about, I think we have a really loud voice. Some of you have louder voices than you could possibly imagine just because of the way you go about your business. And believe me, in this world, people notice the way you go about your business. Even in the Texas Attorney General's office, people notice the way you go about things. May God bless you as you serve. May God bless you. May God just real help you. May God shine the light on you for all the service and sacrifice you and your family have made. May Lord put it back on your own head. And I know you. You are a servant. You're a kind, good-hearted man. May God promote you, and I'm sorry that you have to work in such a horrible environment, but I'm also grateful for people like you that are in politics, that are serving the Lord, doing their best, and, and dealing with almost impossible odds to be a good, kind, honest person. May the Lord just keep blessing you and blessing you. And Lord, we pray for all of our politicians 
all of our servants that are in government that are serving us and that are like this. We pray in this hour you would raise them up to the highest place and you would just give them honor and respect and you'd give them endurance to face what they have to face in these days, right? Also, if you look really uh, uh, down at your outline, at the very, very bottom there, um, um, I'm just going to read from Matthew 25, uh, 19 to 30, and then I want to just finish with Moses to Joshua and Elisha to Elijah. There's a very powerful principle there. So I want to read uh, Matthew 25, and then I want you to pay attention to this. Moses, Joshua, remember the arrangement. Think about it for a moment. And the arrangement of Elijah to Elisha. Some of you, some of you might not be as aware of these guys, but I want to just talk of the, about them as we, as we close here. Matthew 25. <clears throat> 19 to 30. After a long time, the master of those servants returned and settled accounts with him. The man who had received five bags of gold brought the other five. Master, he said, you entrusted me with five bags of gold. See, I've gained five more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful with a few things. I'll put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. Now, there's two things there. So part of this whole discussion of the loveliness and grace of serving is being faithful. Now, faithful sometimes uh, is hard, as as the word serving. Being faithful when everybody else is unfaithful. Being faithful in doing the right thing when everybody else is cutting corners. Being faithful when nobody even values it. I cannot tell you, as just the limited experience I've had as an employer, now I seem to be more of an employer than ever before. We have like 150 employees now, but... I'll tell you what, I can smile, a uh, smile, I smile, yeah, I do smile, but I can smell also <laughs> a good and faithful servant a million miles away. They stand out so dramatically, you can see them. And if, as you employers, if you ever have one in your midst, make sure you pay a lot of attention to them because there's not that many, right? But when you see one, it's amazing. And because they always are producing something, they're always adding something to you. A good, faithful servant, a good, faithful employee always adds value to what you're doing, to the whole organization and to you personally, right? And so he says, hey, look, I've gained five more, right? They always are the ones that gain five more. They're like treasure. Whenever we find someone like that here, we, 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 we rejoice. We, you know, I, I go way out of my way. I, I'm so glad so happy, and boy, I tell you, fortunately, in our church and area, we have a lot of great, faithful, good, hardworking people. But even in the business business world, hey, I gave you five bags, here's your five more. You, I expect you to be fruitful, and here you are. Here, I'm going to give you more. And in the kingdom, it's the way it is. When you're faithful a little bit, you get more. For you that are trying to build a, 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 a career, you young people, be faithful in a little. Do well with what it's given you. And be absolutely faithful, and you will find more. And if you're working for the right employer, you'll find a lot more because good employers are always looking for good people. And they will promote them because they know they'll produce even more fruit if they promote them, right? Instead of two bags, they'll get five bags because they'll, know they'll do good with the five bags. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful a few things. I'll put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. The man with two bags of gold also came. Master, he said, you entrusted me with two bags of gold. See, I've gained two more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful with a few things. I'll put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. I like that. 
Because one of the happiest places on earth in a company, an organization, and a church is when people are serving out of a good heart and, it, uh, and all the leaders and everybody just share. There's a happiness that exists there that it's just such a joy. It's a beautiful thing to be a part of an organization where everybody's serving, everybody's productive, and everybody's happy because of it. The, the ones that are over are happy and the ones that are under are happy because everybody's making progress. Then the one who had received one bag of gold came. Master, he said, I, I know that you're a hard man, harvesting where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. So maybe it seems harsh to someone because actually there's nothing that works on this planet without a harvest, without return, right? All work is supposed to be a return. And if you're not bringing in a return, that means you are lazy. That means that, and there's nothing more destructive in any culture than a lazy person because where they're lazy and when they're not faithful, there's other things. It's like looking under the hood and seeing a whole lot of bad things you don't want to see. Whenever there's laziness and people that are not doing their job, there's always more stuff, you know, always. So this is really powerful. But where there's faithfulness and serving, there's more for everybody, more for the master. He's happier, happier, and the people are rewarded, and they gain more, right? Don, I'm just wondering when your next assignment is, because you are like the epitome of this, even at a high corporate level. Matter of fact, maybe you should just serve down lower so you don't have to put up with all the you-know-what. But uh, I don't know. What are you going to do? You don't know, do you? Yeah? Are you really wanting to go back into the fray? Business fray? Yeah? All right. Lord, whoever gets her just got the treasure of the world. So may you be assigned, on to a worthy cause and a worthy culture and a worthy business in Jesus name all right master he said I know that you're a hard man harvesting where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed so was I afraid I was afraid and went and hid your gold in the ground see here's what belongs to you he wasn't afraid he's lazy <laughs> his master replied you wicked lazy servant it looked like he was being really good but he's just lazy right See, you knew that I harvest where I have not sown and gather where I have not scattered seed. Well, you should have at least put my money and got some interest on it, right? So he gives the bag of gold to the guy that didn't do anything with it to the one that had too much, right? Or seemingly. And this is the way the kingdom always worked. Now, let me just say this last thing, and it's right at the very bottom of your outline. So we see in Exodus 24, 13, this relationship of Moses to Joshua. And in 1 Kings chapter 19, 21, we see this other arrangement of Elijah to Elisha. Now, the way that the kingdom works, it's just such a graphic, beautiful picture. That's one reason why I love the Old Testament so much. Because in the Old Testament culture, it was built in uh, service for a master, service for some person, and then there would be a promotion, right? Serving one. And so even in these super spiritual realms we're talking about, I mean, like Moses, for heaven's sake, that was a little more governmental because it also involved the whole people. But then there's Elijah and Elisha. But both of these leaders, there's tremendous not only power in the natural, but supernatural power around them, right? And by serving faithfully, the one under gets like Elisha got double what Elisha did. He asked for a double portion and he got it. But how did he get it? Not just by asking, but because his lifestyle serving Elisha, Elijah just caused it to happen. He was faithful in a few things and he got more. So the glory of serving 
is also reward. There's things that God rewards that only he can do. How do you become an Elisha? How do you become another Elijah? Elisha did exactly twice the number of miracles Elijah did. He did get the double anointing. But where did it come from? Not only from God's assignment, but he got it because of his faithfulness to Elijah. Something almost missed, lost in our culture, but it is kingdom culture. And it's the way to do kingdom business, whatever that business is. And it's the way to do life. And it's the way to do church. When you're faithful of a few things, God gives you more. Faithful of a few things, He gives you more. No matter what area you're interested in, no matter where you're expressing your ministry or your calling. The super spiritual calling, Elijah to Elisha, which is a prophetic thing, and the super uh, governmental thing that went from Moses to Joshua. Yet both of them had an unimaginable power when Joshua took over. He drove all those people out by the power of God and the miracles that he experienced under Joshua's leadership were supernatural, powerful. They involved war and fighting and, and, and uh, that. But, but the God would just, it's like he just lowered the bow, bar. Just, they just cheated sometimes. I mean, they're just like, wow. God just annihilate people before they even got there, right? So God loves to reward great leadership. And if you want to be a great leader, serve somebody well. And God will promote you. Sometimes he'll promote you even without that leader knowing, even beyond Good measure, pressed down, shaken together. The loveliness and grace of serving. Amen. Why don't we all stand? We have a lovely bunch of people in our church that serve people and love people by just praying for them. I say just praying for them. Because they do it so much, they have a grace on them, right? That's our ministry team, people that just do this. And Bob and Tasula, for example, that work on Wednesdays praying for the sick. And So I want you to catch something with regard to our ministry team and why it's so powerful for you to actually come and get prayer because there's an anointing on those that serve. So many of these people who come up to the front now, and we'll do it in a minute, uh, they serve for not like one week, two weeks, but for years, just being nice to people and praying for their needs. But beware. If you need a miracle today, beware. Beware in a good way. Because these mild-mannered people who do not look like Superman or Superwoman, because of their faithfulness and because of the words I've just said, God hides his miracles in them. And some of the most amazing miracles we've ever seen have happened just with ordinary people praying for ordinary folks. This is what John Wimber loved. This is why he even put in the very front of his church, he put, even in this whole fantastic thing that people could be healed by praying, he, he didn't like it that it would be like one person or, or him especially or somebody that's supposed to be the miracle worker. He thought that the power and the grace would actually be experienced in the humble space. God gives grace to the humble and through servants, humble servants. So he went out of his way to make sure he built that into the church. That's why when we have people to pray, we have a ministry team. And I haven't emphasized it nearly as much as I should because I realized we probably are missing a few miracles because uh, we've just uh, maybe um, haven't done enough of this ordinary praying, right, for one another. And uh, so I would just like to do some really ordinary praying for people. What I mean by that is 
You might not even know the person that's praying for you, but I got a feeling today the Lord spoke to me. If I would, if I would just make sure I emphasize this and the servanthood and all of that for you that pray for people and that you're going to be prayed for, that God today, this very day, might just leave behind some wonderful miracles, some pesky things that haven't been able to heal, maybe uh, a prayer answered about your family. I've gotten some impressions as I've been even speaking. I think there's some heart conditions in here. Some people that actually may be facing uh, really difficult things if your condition doesn't straighten out. You could die. And uh, some other things uh, in their life that have just become so horrible this week. Uh, maybe your living situation or perhaps a relative or, or a job situation or, or whatever. And so I think there's a bunch of people in need and we're just really like a cup of cold water, like you to pray for them. And I just think that we should just create this atmosphere before any music or anything else happens. I just like you that pray for people on our ministry teams, you know, and you've been doing this for a while. Could you please come up again? I just really appreciate this morning, especially if you could just come up. And I'd like just to stand along here and just face outward like you do uh, with other people and just come. If I could have some of our leaders as well and other ministries and things, all of you kind of have this. Um, calling. I want you to face outward and I want your back to be to you that are prayers. Uh, I want your back to be to the thing here to me as usual. I'd like to have a larger number because I think uh, you could just come along the speaker too. It's okay. We'll have room here on the speaker, right? If I could have the musicians come and um, I'm going to ask her something wonderful here today. As you come forward, and it looks like we probably could use a few more along the edge there. If we pile up, if you, some of you others that just volunteer, okay, to help us. Because I think God's going to release something wonderful today, especially in physical healing, all right? So, Lord, I just ask you as we close today, and um, Kurt, you're going to do some worship as we do this, right? As we're worshiping here, and you just might want to stay at your seat, and maybe the Lord will just touch you if you want to just stay a little bit. But if you want to receive prayer for something, just come on now. And I pray, Lord, as people come to the front here to receive prayer, I'm asking you today that you would leave behind a miracle. I pray you leave behind physical miracles. People would be healed. Situations would be healed. Maybe wisdom would be given. Maybe authority would be given just because we prayed for one another. And you can certainly do that to your friends in the audience. You don't have to make do it up here only. Maybe you could turn to a friend or someone you know that's in need in, in the auditorium. Maybe you'd just like to stay in worship and just ask God to rest on you. Lord, I pray your presence would come on us as we think about these things. And I release out of this auditorium in this place servants, servants of the Most High God, not just in here or around here, but all week long. Lord, in Jesus' name, commission us to serve. And even as we're listening to the worship and these guys that are worshiping, or out back here, Lord, just worshiping. I pray to reward them for their service today for us. And would you just come and make this place full of the oil of the Spirit and touch anybody that has need, whether it's financial need to be prayed about or physical need, spiritual need. In Jesus' mighty name.